Well, sometimes he might look like he's losing, but the fact that he hangs in there makes him a winner. Amen? Jacob is the name of the protagonist in tonight's lesson. And I take the liberty of calling him Jacob the Shifty Shyster. The Shifty Shyster, mind you, had spent many years seeking and suffering and struggling for the blessing. In fact, Jacob the Shifty Shyster's whole life was a struggle with God to see who's in control. The title of the sermon tonight is just that, Who's in control, the shifty shyster or God? Well, tonight, my friends, we will watch as God grows the shifty shyster's soul. Amen? As we look at Jacob, the shifty shyster's life, we notice from the earlier scripture that was read tonight from Genesis 25 that not only did he struggle with God, but he also struggled with mankind. And along with his brother, in that Genesis 25 chapter, the brothers even struggled in their mother Rebecca's womb, didn't they? We will see tonight how the prophecy that's conveyed in that chapter was fulfilled and how the rights of the firstborn are challenged as we move along. We will be looking tonight, according to uh, Reverend Charles Holtz's sermon on Jacob, quote, at a man who makes all the wrong moves and breaks all the rules, unquote. And yet he finds himself slap dab in the middle of God's amazing grace and mercy. Amen? It sounds a little bit like some of us, doesn't it? Genesis 25, verse 27, continues the story with four short words. The boys grew up. Yes, they did. And tonight, we briefly trace the shifty shyster's early life. We will focus on the mysterious wrestling match. We will review the shifty shyster's prayer and proceeds, what proceeds after that and we will envision the touching scene that follows the wrestling match. So as we trace the shifty shyster's early life, we see that Jacob the shifty shyster has these adjectives, clever, shrewd, crafty. Jacob used his wits to outsmart his opponents. Colorful, captivating, even calculating he had a complex character, to say the least. He's a liar. He's an opportunist. He's a deceiver and a schemer. Jacob the shifty shyster is all of these things, unashamedly, understandably, and absolutely for the greater part of his life. And yet most of us, We'll identify with his strengths and his weaknesses. We will identify with his successes and his failures, and also with his struggles and his resourcefulness, won't we? Known for his feistiness, the father of the nation Israel, Jacob the shifty shyster, was in the words of Reverend David Smith in his sermon on Jacob, quote, ruthless, reliable, and redeemable all at the same time. That 
is Jacob the shifty shyster. And one day, as the story unfolds, Jacob the shifty shyster tricked his brother Esau, also a little bit of a shyster, and Jacob stole the coveted birthright from him. Then Jacob, the shifty shyster, deceived and he tricked his brother Isaac, or, I'm sorry, his brother Esau, with the help of his mom, Rebecca. And he stole the spoken patriarchal blessing, the one that firstborn Esau was to receive. But far from celebrating, Jacob the shifty shyster now has a death threat against his life. He was a marked man to Esau, his brother. Even though in chapter 25, verse 24, it tells us Esau despised the birthright. So Jacob the shifty shyster's mom, Rebecca, sent him, Jacob, on a 550 mile journey to her brother Laban's home for safety reasons. You see, she thought that Esau would kill his brother, Jacob. She got his dad, Isaac, to sign off on the trip, and he encouraged Jacob, the shifty shyster, to go and find a wife. So Jacob, the shifty shyster, left home to do just that, but the main reason he left was to stay alive, amen? Now, in the loneliness and the darkness of that first night away from home, Jacob the shifty shyster called on the Lord, and he began to mend his ways. Amen? Well, after that long journey of 550 miles, Jacob arrived in Haran at Paddan Aram, and Uncle Laban, his mom's brother, greeted him warmly. Now, Uncle Laban had a reputation for being an absolute master at negotiation. And Uncle Laban was just like the shifty shyster's mom, Rebecca, in the manipulation department. Only more so, you know what I mean? In the fact that he was also a master at sleight of hand. And this meant that Jacob had met his match and he struggled with Uncle Laban in many of the chapters of Genesis. And here, unfortunately, Jacob the shifty shyster became Uncle Laban's victim. You see, Uncle Laban insisted that the shifty shyster work for him for seven years, and then he'd allow him to marry his daughter, Rachel, with whom Jacob the shifty shyster was, had fallen truly madly and deeply in love upon first sight of her. Well, Uncle Laban pulled all the old bait and switch rules. As soon as the shifty shyster had turned the tables on his brother Esau, and he, they reversed the younger for the older. And the awakening in the morning found after the wedding feast, Jacob the shifty shyster found weak-eyed Leah, the lovely Rachel's sister, by his side instead of Rachel, switching the older Leah for the younger Rachel. Needless to say, J 
Jacob the shifty shyster was hopping mad, and he let Uncle Laban know it. In the end, however, Jacob the shifty shyster wrestles from Uncle Laban most of his wealth. You see, Jacob the shifty shyster came from nowhere, arrived with nothing, but he left with God's favor, with Uncle Laban's fortune, and with Uncle Laban's family. Oh my. We now focus on the main backdrop to the story of the mysterious wrestling match. Jacob the Shifty Shyster was from a culture where custom and tradition would defend the rights of the firstborn. Well, these rights included a greater share of the family's wealth, the honor of passing on the family's name, as well as responsibilities that elevated one as leader of the clan. There were also privileges and spoken patriarchal blessings from the Father and from one's God that were absolutely irrevocable. To be denied that right was no small matter. In fact, it was tragic, wasn't it? I invite you to please turn with me in your scriptures to Genesis chapter 31, verse 3. After having lived in Padna Ram of Haran for 20 years, mind you, the Lord told Jacob the shifty shyster in Genesis 31, verse 3, quote, Return to the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee, unquote. He was to return those 550 miles that he had once traveled. So Jacob, the shifty shyster, faces his most difficult task yet, going back home. He must face the man he cheated twice, 20 years before his brother Esau. First, Jacob, the shifty shyster, had stolen the covenantal blessing from Esau, and then he stole the spoken patriarchal blessing. Jacob, the shifty shyster, wondered what he would encounter on his journey home. Would he find a jealous brother with 20 years of pent-up anger and rage? Would he find a massive army all bent on wiping him and everything he owned off the face of the earth? Those are good questions. Jacob, the shifty shyster, didn't know what he would find, but God knew, amen? And before Jacob, the shifty shyster, and Esau, his shifty shyster brother, Pastor Tom Fuller tells us in his sermon on Jacob that, quote, he will face an adversary worse than any he has ever known, God himself. Well, God himself will break him, will make him into Israel, one who is governed by God. Amen? Now, in order to go home, Jacob the shifty shyster had to pass through Mount Seir, and that's the region where his brother Esau had taken his abode. Larry Richards informs us in his teacher commentary that the shifty shyster's evident fear of Esau may actually be a mark 
of personal growth. How about that? You see, the 20 years of suffering in Padnaram were not in vain as far as Jacob the Shifty Shyster's spiritual life was concerned. So tonight, as we watch God grow the Shifty Shyster's soul, be sure not to miss taking four steps of personal growth throughout the passage. We will look briefly at each step and see how it applies to Jacob, the shifty shyster, as well as to each of our lives tonight. Step one of spiritual growth. God uses our circumstances to mature us, amen? Larry Richards comments in his teacher's commentary, quote, having been the victim of Uncle Laban's scams, Jacob has moved from egocentricity and empathy, recognizing what it meant to be truly afraid. Amen? The Shields Bible study notes state that, quote, as Jacob came nearer to the land of his birth, his concern about Esau assumed gigantic proportions. And it threw him into a panic. So he sent messengers to Esau. Please look with me in chapter 32, verse 6. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you with 400 men. Oh, my. Upon hearing that news, Jacob the shifty shyster was understandably, according to verse 7 of that 32nd chapter, greatly afraid and distressed. You see, only a few more hours hung in the balance of knowing whether Esau sought revenge or not. Step two of spiritual growth. God uses our spiritual experiences to enable reconciliation. Amen? Before we can experience reconciliation, however, with anyone, we need a spiritual experience of God's presence and God's power in our own lives, don't we? Jacob the Shifty Shyster desperately needed both such experiences. So Jacob the Shifty Shyster promptly devised a strategy using the Jabuk River to his advantage. And J.L. Gibson, compiler of the Daily Study Bible, explains, quote, he escorted his family across the nearby ford to the Jabuk to the other side of the river. And in addition, Jacob the Shifty Shyster had prepared gifts to send on ahead to Esau with the messages that he sent earlier, so that according to verse 5 of that 32nd chapter, he might find favor in his brother's eyes. And then he prayed. And this is the prayer that precedes the mysterious wrestling match. It is in verse 11 of that 32nd chapter. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid that he will come and attack me and the mothers and their children. Now, though the burden of that prayer is only deliverance from Esau, Lloyd John Ogilvy, who's the editor of the Communicator's Commentary Series, declares that, quote, verses 9 through 12 
of Genesis 32 pleads with God on the grounds of his own command and promise, on the basis of Jacob's unworthiness of God's past mercies and upon the covenant between God and Jacob. Well, this prayer, my friends, is the start of Jacob the Shifty Shyster's growth in grace, amen? And Jacob's response in prayer is a seed that will grow and be broadened in the mysterious struggle of the wrestling match that follows. It was as Jacob the Shifty Shyster was crossing back over the Jabbok River, last and alone, after having transported his family across the river for safekeeping, that he became confronted by an adversary in the darkness. And this adversary, whom at first he thought was human, he no doubt wondered, could it be Esau? But later he realized, folks, it was God. And some scholars suggest that the adversary was an angel. Others believe, as I do, that it was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ himself, God the Son. Now let's read the account that is the answer to the Shifty Shyster's prayer. You will remember that we read the prayer in chapter 32, verse 11, Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. Well, the answer is found in that same chapter, 32, beginning with verse 22. And uh, I was going to ask you to stand, but I don't think I will tonight. You look comfortable, and I'll let you stay comfortable there tonight. But this particular passage, we're going to read a few verses here. Um, this particular passage shares what happened when Jacob and his family... Um, Take, when Jacob took his family across the river, and then also what happens when he returns back to his, where his starting point was. And um, I'm going to ask you to turn to that chapter 32, beginning with verse 22. And here's the story. The same night... He arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it you ask my name? <clears throat> and there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, 
limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is in the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Interesting portion of scripture for us there. Now, when Jacob, the shifty shyster, and God wrestle, please understand that they're not competing for the modern Olympic rules, like looking for a shoulder pin or waiting for a count of three. They are wrestling in the traditional style of an all and all out brawl that usually ends in submission or death. Traditional wrestling, basically, is quite brutal, isn't it? And it often leaves some horrific wounds, like a missing eye, or a great hole in the face, or a dislocated hip. All of them, possible injuries. Well, this is the sort of wrestling that we're finding in Genesis 32. For in that fight, God only gains the advantage when he wounds Jacob, the shifty shyster, with a shot to the inside thigh. And as a result, Jacob the shifty shyster limps for the rest of his life, doesn't he? Well, step number three of spiritual growth often results from struggle and pain, doesn't it? Howard Voss of the Every Man's Bible Commentary on Genesis explains this mysterious yet very confusing passage this way, quote, Though the wrestling was physical, it symbolized a spiritual struggle between Jacob and God to determine whether Jacob in self-will and self-reliance and guile was to manage his own affairs or whether he was to bow completely to God's management of his life. You see, it was a matter of deciding who's in control, the shifty shyster or God. Amen? It was a powerful struggle, to say the least, until God rendered Jacob the shifty shyster incapable of continuing the struggle, unable to fight any longer. And Jacob the shifty shyster just had to hang on. He could fight no more because he was in dire pain from the dislocation. Yet he hung on tenaciously to receive a blessing from the one whose divine character he gradually came to recognize, amen? From the one whose divine character he recognized and the one whose power over his life he began to accept. In his struggles with the heavenly visitor, Jacob the shifty shyster had surrendered and thus he had won the blessing. Folks, this is huge. You see, the two wrestled till daybreak. And chapter 32, 6 tells us that um, once dawn broke, the shifty shyster, who, like all of us, was not to look on the unveiled glory of the divine face and survive. He needed to be protected from the vision that would be his should the Lord be seen in the light of day. Why? because the Lord had told Moses in Exodus 33, verses 19 and 20, 
I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. You remember that passage, don't we? And yet having that said, Reverend Thomas Leal of the Preacher's Homiletic Commentary notes, quote, the all-powerful cannot go without Jacob's leave. After Jacob, sorry, and Jacob would not let him go except the all-powerful bless him. Well, that's quite a dilemma, isn't it? The heavenly opponent placed Jacob's hip out of joint by some supernatural means. According to the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, quote, it requires substantial force to pop the thigh bone out of the socket. And it represents or it presents for us an increased risk of what some of us already know all about, developing arthritis in the joint. Huh? This is how I picture what's going on. My guess is that Jacob, the shifty shyster, wrapped his arms around that heavenly visitor's neck. Excuse me. He clutched his fingers together, he put his hands together, and he just hung there. He hung and he swung in the air with every move that the heavenly visitor made. He would not let go. And J.L. Gibson states in his commentary, quote, so dawn broke in on that crippled patriarch, but his noblest strength was in the darkness with the unseen, unquote. My friend's mystery lingers in that account, doesn't it? Reverend Leo holds in his commentary that Jacob the shifty shyster conquers the moment his physical strength is crippled, for in his struggles with the heavenly visitor, he had surrendered and thus won. It was a dramatic moment, no matter how it's stated. And Ogilvy adds, quote, Jacob had always had a determined commitment to come out on top, but not this time, folks, no. Not this time. Please notice that Jacob the shifty shyster says not a word regarding his danger or his pain. And when the heavenly visitor asked the shifty shyster his name, the Wesleyan Sunday School curriculum states that, quote, he was asking him for a confession of his own scheming character. Jacob the shifty shyster. For immediately later, God in his mercy blessed him. Amen? And well in the presence of God, the shifty shyster sees his sinfulness in contrast to God's holiness and thereby is transformed. Amen? Jacob the shifty shyster is in awe of the heavenly visitor's majesty. He's in awe of his mercy. He's in awe of the riches of his grace, amen? Jacob adored him, and he hung, and he swung, 
back and forth, even in pain and anguish, and he would not let him go indeed. You see, he finally realized who's in control, and it wasn't him, was it? My friends, the new day had arrived, and the touching scene that follows the wrestling match is finally here, and Jacob the shifty shyster was ready to meet his brother after 20 years of not being with him. And before he could blink, if you look at Genesis 33 with me, it says Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with those 400 men that we mentioned earlier. The moment of truth was at hand. Consider what happened. Because the shifty shyster had seen God's face during the wrestling match, the encounter had changed Jacob's attitude and his relationship toward God. And thereby it had also changed his attitude and his relationship to his brother Esau, hadn't it? Funny how that works, isn't it? As Pastor Jonathan shared with us, I think last week, our vertical relationship with God permits us to have a horizontal relationship with each other. Genesis 33 verse 4 begins, and Esau ran to meet him. He was so excited to see his brother after 20 years of absence that he ran to meet this shifty shyster who had stole from him twice. Ogilvy adds, the actions of the brothers speak volume. Look at that verse 4. Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and he wept. Amen? Yeah, I get eyes full of tears just thinking about that. The costly presents that were sent on ahead included more than 55 animals, including sheep and goats and even camels, folks, estimated in today's money at half a million dollars. And they were all part of what Jacob the shifty shyster had worked so hard for those 20 years in Paddan Aram. These were sent to appease Esau ahead of the journey. But the effort was quite unnecessary, wasn't it? Esau just wanted to see his brother at that point. Amen? And according to C.H. McIntosh in his notes of the Pentateuch, quote, the covenant promises of God were the most important thing in Jacob's life. It just took him a while to figure it all out, didn't it? Just like some of us, takes us a while to understand how God is working in our lives. And it takes us a while to understand how we should respond to God when he's working in our lives. Macintosh further pens, quote, instead of the dreaded sword of Esau, Jacob meets the embrace and kiss. Instead of strife and conflict, they mingle their tears. And Howard Voss expresses, quote, Esau's heart melted in acceptance. What a tender, touching moment. Is there anything more beautiful than that kind of reconciliation? I think probably the best summary of the reconciliation that I found was from Larry Richard's 
365-day commentary. He suggests that God himself had appeared to Jacob as a combatant instead of Esau. Jacob had worked out his issues with Esau by struggling with God before Esau arrived. Amen? Therefore, Jacob the shifty shyster says to Esau, his shifty shyster brother, in chapter 33, verse 10, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you have received me favorably. One last point tonight, step number four of spiritual growth. We realize that when we are weak, he is strong. God is strong, amen? My friends, Jacob, who is a shifty shyster, wholly dependent on God, can become an Israel, one who is governed by God, amen? And that is the good news tonight. Imagine what we can become if we let every wound draw us closer to the Lord and make us more dependent on him, as Jacob did. Ogilvy shares, and I think this is interesting, quote, as he sank low on one hip and rose strongly on the other, each step is a statement about the lesson he learned that night. My friends, overcoming comes only by surrender to God. What I found is that God is going to use whatever the world throws at us to change us for the better, amen? If we submit to him and if we give in to his leading. And as he transforms us, he also blesses us. Sometimes have you noticed that he wounds us and heals us at the same time? That's a paradox of grace, amen? Now I would invite those of you who are able to stand for just a, a couple more minutes as we reflect on the sermon this evening. And uh, Joanne, I'm gonna ask if you go to the piano, there's a little chorus there in me, Lord, if you wanna just begin playing that for us. And I'd ask you to please bow your heads and close your eyes. My friends, tonight we've watched God grow the shifty shyster's soul, amen. <laughs> 